after hearing about this peculiar, wonderful little place in the Lutheran tradition while I was a seminarian, I was privileged to first come here on retreat in 2016. I enjoyed my conversations with Father John a great deal, learning about him, his ministry in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, and his long association with this monastery. But what I remember most is a discussion of the rule of St. Benedict. Now, I had read the rule of St. Benedict as a first-year seminarian, taking Church History 101, but like a lot of seminarians trying to balance heavy workloads, I didn't pay it much attention at the time. But Father John reminded me of something intriguing in the rule, something I had not paid attention to the first time I read it. He mentioned that there was a section in the rule on impossible tasks. And he clearly found this very meaningful, not as a historical curiosity, not as a relic of a more authoritarian time, but as something of relevance and import to the Christian life today. Here's that section of the rule. If it happens that difficult or impossible tasks are laid on a brother, let him nevertheless receive the order of the one in authority with all meekness and obedience. But if he sees that the weight of the burden altogether exceeds the limit of his strength, let him submit the reasons for his inability to the one who is over him in a quiet way and at an opportune time, without pride, resistance, or contradiction. And if, after these representations, the superior still persists in his decision and command, let the subject know that this is for his good, and let him obey out of love, trusting in the help of God. Even if the task is clearly impossible, and even if the superior is not moved to relent, the brother should still obey as far as as possible. I can hardly think of a better analogy to what God has asked of humanity for millennia. Love God and love your neighbor with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Serve the Lord in complete, total faithfulness. I think that's the very definition of an impossible task. We may wish to serve the Lord with our whole being, but as Jesus reminded his disciples at Gethsemane, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. We so easily get distracted and self-occupied. Or we might become disturbed by the true cost of discipleship. The silver lining is that distraction, self-occupation, and disturbance are nothing new for the faithful. They're as old as humanity itself. For example, in our reading from Joshua, the Israelites are about to enter their inheritance in Canaan. Joshua throws down the gauntlet, telling them to choose whom they will serve. Will they serve the Lord who brought them up out of Egypt, who rescued them from Pharaoh, who fed them in the desert, 
who led them safely into the land? Or will they serve the old gods of their forefathers? They answer an enthusiastic yes to Joshua's challenge. But unfortunately for us today, the reading ends on a bit too optimistic of a note. What we miss in our first reading is Joshua's rejoinder in the very next verse, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. You can't serve the Lord. You're going to get distracted. You will get stuck on yourselves. The cost of serving the Lord, of doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God will disturb you. You will become discontent after you settle in the land. Those old gods will become a lot more appealing. And the exile, hundreds of years later, confirms this. The Old Testament is nothing if not a grand narrative of failure. God commands. God's commands are right and just. The people get distracted and fail to obey. But before we Christians get smug, the narrative of failure continues into the life and ministry of Jesus the Christ. Jesus elaborates on his own impossible command that he gave earlier in John chapter 6, coupled with what sounds like an impossible promise. Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Many of Jesus' disciples stopped following him after this. Is it any surprise? Jesus' words are deeply disturbing. Jesus lays out what it means to follow him. It means to take him into ourselves in a quite literal way. No wonder Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father grants it. It's utterly impossible to hear the light and light in these words without God's gift of faith. With Jesus, however, the impossible becomes possible. Jesus himself is the bread of life, offered for all people at this table and tables like it all over the world, week after week, or in a case of a monastery like this one, day after day. And when we receive Jesus as the bread of life, we're not merely taking a little bit of bread and a little sip of wine. We're taking Jesus into our very selves. And we are thus conforming our lives to his cruciform life. As Jesus fully identifies with the humanity he saves, so we at this meal fully identify with him, with his birth as one of the four, from a backwater town of Galilee, with his blessing of affairs of everyday human life like the wedding at Cana, with his feeding of the hungry, with his healing of and restoration to community of a man born blind. We fully identify in this meal with his cross, his death, and we fully identify in this meal with his resurrection of eternal life made actual.
His life, His death, His resurrection are fully incarnate here in this meal. And our Heavenly Father grants the supreme privilege of coming forward to receive it. In such a humble meal, the infinite is given. And we are fed to continue living out that cruciform life of Christ in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. The bread of life is fed to us so that we can begin that life now. And that life and halts and starts on this earthly plane and fully in the world to come is one in which we experience wholeness, completion, shalom. In Jesus, led by the Spirit, we begin to love God and love our neighbor. We grow in love, not as some sort of spiritual self-improvement program, but as simple discipleship. Fed by Him, led by His Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have granted us the great privilege of receiving your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ.